Hello, welcome to Forget the Numbers, the student accounting show. This week, we're doing a little bit of an SBL special. So um, for all you people doing the SBL exam in June, it's vital that you listen to it. If you're not doing the SBL exam in June, realistically, no matter what exam you're doing, we're going to touch on a little bit of exam technique today. And there might be one nugget or two nuggets of advice that will really help you in your next exam. And as I always say, make that difference between getting 49 and 51. Um, so it'll be a relatively short podcast, so please stick with us. Um, I'd like to welcome Paul Russell. Hi, everybody. Um, Paul is uh, the newest addition um, to Learn Signal. And for those of you doing SBL, or obviously if you're doing any other subject, you have access to SBL, um, we have launched our new SBL preparatory video. And it's in a number of parts, and it's where Paul has dissected lots of resources, lots of exam papers, lots of examiner feedback. And what he's done, he's put together a process by which we feel is very strong. And based on a lot of your feedback and a lot of the the personal things that I would be hassling you guys about in previous sittings. So welcome, Paul, and and we do appreciate you doing this podcast today. Thanks for inviting me on. So I guess the the first thing to do... um, our conversation started and, and they started off with me telling you the things we struggled with and your ideas. So what do you think this is a, this is achieving for students, th- this video that you put together? Well, I mean, I think the first thing is, is that we need to look at the feedback from the examiner. Um, I think the first three sittings of this exam, um, the SBL examiner is giving us information. And given the fact that the pass rates are around about 50% or thereabouts, I think the feedback basically says that the students aren't listening to the information that he's giving. And the key point, the key thing that they're missing is that they are not planning their answers. Over and above that, they're starting to write their answers out too soon. This exam and passing this exam is all about planning. So that would be my main point. Yeah. And I guess my my personal thing, and 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 we've talked about this off air quite a few times, um, my fear is that no matter what you tell students and like you've looked at many exams in the very early days of SBL, I took an exam at the ACCA and at the time they were saying 40 minutes for planning. When I actually sat and did the exam and, and had plenty of time, I spent an hour planning. I was thinking, oh, is this too long? But I think when you plan properly, it's, it's the balance. So, mm-hmm. um, But then you have that temptation on exam day where you're sitting there and you go in and the answer book is sitting there right in front of you and your pen is sitting right in front of you. And the temptation is, oh, I have to start writing now. Cause other, and I think it's peer pressure because students look at each other students. Yeah, that's, this is, I mean, that's a good point. I, I think one of the things there, OK, this, this point isn't strictly related to the SBL exam, but let, let's remember what the ACCA are testing with the ACCA exams. In part, they're testing your discipline. So, yes, the SBL exam is based on, broadly speaking, P1 and P3 with some things uh, uh, missing from those subject areas. But over and above that content and the application of some professional skills to that content, they're testing your discipline. So if you're starting to write, Alan, within 10 to 15 or 20 minutes of this exam, really of starting the four hours starting, then really what you're showing is ill discipline. Yeah, you can't do that 
if you want to pass this exam. This exam is a three-hour writing exam, i.e. hours two, three, and four, and a one-hour planning exam. And you need to do it in that order, plan first and then write. I mean, I really do think that if you're writing anything on that answer booklet within the first 40 minutes, unless you're Superman or Superwoman, you're doing something seriously wrong seriously wrong does that make sense no absolutely and i think um one of the things that and i know in your video and we won't go through it in too much detail now um and it's much better on video because you get to to kind of show everybody what your plans are mm -hmm. but you're you're giving people uh, a process i guess is the best description yeah. on how to attack this planning stage and why it's such a key part of the yeah it's, it's a systematic guide or to use your word process to really passing the exam in several parts and you know it's simple it's it's easy to use it does need to be practiced but it works i mean i have tested uh, uh this particular process with several students this system works um absolutely okay and and hopefully all you guys are listening to us here he said the system works mm -hmm. <laughs> so please like and follow this system because i guess it's designed for the student. Um, we're not charging anything extra for this. We're not. Uh, our, our aim for all of this is to really help the student pass the exam. And if you're listening out there, there's, there's nothing additional in for this. If you're a learning signal member already, um, nothing has changed between yesterday and today except that you've got a better chance of passing your exam. Um, the reading is funny because um, there's lots of different feedback. Um, first of all, from... Um, a kind of learning providers and then lecturers and then students to the idea that a, a, a kind of 12 to 20 page case study was being brought in by ACCA. Um, and some people would say, oh, it's a lot to read. And some people say they read it really quickly. I think my fear is when there's there's two types of reading. There's the, the reading a book and somebody said, what happened since you start reading? Oh, I was only half reading. Or there's actually taking the time to read it properly and to let it sink in. Mm. And I think that's a skill in itself as well. It is, and it's something that has to be practised. I mean, I think broadly speaking, this process that we're talking about is really in three parts. It's, it's, it's the planning of your answers based on the requirements, the reading, and indeed then the writing. So this second part, this, this area of the reading of the exhibits, just one thing just to make clear first is that the reading of the exhibits for me happens too early. Um, the way I see it is that we need, what we need to be looking at is the requirements first and then the exhibits. Mm -hmm. But focusing on the exhibits themselves, I think it needs to be active reading with, with pen in hand, possibly a highlighter to hand as well. And I think that one of the, one of the areas, and I think we may touch on this in a few moments, is the whole question of the order of the exam. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I know that refers to the writing side, but we need to really read the exam in order. What I've heard from students who've sat this exam in September, October, or September, December, and um, March is that they're reading things in no particular order. They're, it's a sort of a scattergun reading mm. approach. That's not going to work. I mean, what the examiner tells us in the examiner's reports is that there isn't so much a timeline with the exam, but it's much better, and this is from his mouth, not mine, to go through the exam in order, not just in terms of attempting the questions, but the reading as well. So start at the beginning and go through from exhibit one through to exhibit six, because that's a way in which the answers flow if you look at them, if that helps. Yeah, I think that you mentioned highlighters and highlighters are great if, <laughs> I know it sounds strange saying, if used properly. And I think that's where when we talk about mock exams, 
is that um, I remember getting some kind of feedback from an ACCA examiner, not necessarily just to do an SPL. And what happens is that they can more count the words not highlighted than the yeah, words highlighted. And I people have, can get <laughs> like, well, 90% of the words it's, in the page are you, you highlighted. Yeah, important. it's not a colouring book exercise. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it varies from student to student. I think every student is different. Diff- uh, different but as a minimum what we need is pen in hand and with that reading of the exhibits and indeed the requirements but let's focus on the exhibit what we're looking for is really which are the exhibits that relate to which are the requirements and what are the key words and i think once you practice with our mock exams and our questions often enough you get a feel for how this exams because there is a system there is a a pattern with this particular examiner and i think that uh um, I think by looking at the videos, you get a feel for that pattern. And each exam broadly has been the same in terms of that pattern. And I think when we talk about mock exams, it's not just writing them in, and, and we're always saying about, well, do them in exam time, don't overuse your time. But I think that counts for planning. I think if, if in the exam you're planning to bring a highlighter in and highlight those key words, mm. you have to practice that in the mock exam as much as anything else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my experience of teaching case study exams for, for, for nearly 10 years and indeed teaching other ACCA subjects and SEMA subjects has been that students that tend to underperform exams don't practice under the right conditions. So, you know, on the one hand, we can say that we've done a mock exam, but we need to do it under exam conditions as best we can with no interruptions, um, to time, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, you, you need to recreate the conditions that you're going to experience as near as damn it on the big day. And if you do that often enough, your chances of success go up. I think what's interesting with your video and even with this short conversation that the majority or a good chunk of the time is spent talking about planning and reading. Mm. Um, and yet we're saying that's probably 25% of your four hours. And I think mm. that highlights how important those two are because if you if you do write within those four, first 15 minutes, if you don't do it properly, you're probably going to fail the exam. Yeah, but then on the flip side, you know, let, let's think about it. You know, if we're in the exam and if you employ this process over the first, you know, from the first minute to the 60th minute or thereabouts, Really, in actual fact, Alan, from the 61st minute to the 240th minute, it's, I'm not saying it's a breeze, Mm. but everything will be there waiting for you as you look at each requirement. And in effect, what we're saying is your last three hours are going to be easier than your first one because you're, 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 without oversimplifying it, you're really sort of filling in the blanks based on the plans that you've outlined in each of those three or four questions that, uh, that, that, that you've been through in the planning area. So, you know, I think that the writing, as you tail off towards the end of the exam, you'll get more tired, that's for sure. Yeah. But if you've planned for the first hour, the actual writing process is going to be so much easier and your chances of success are going to be so much higher. Well, Absolutely. You're, you're doing the hardest piece of work at the time that mm. you're freshest, I guess. Exactly. And, and if you can make the most of that hour, yes, in the fourth hour, your hand might be cramping and your brain might be tired, but the level, hopefully at that stage, the level of, of thinking, it, it really is just um, writing out a longer answer and you're getting the reward of yeah, the first hour. Exactly. It's sort of a little bit, like, if you imagine that first hour allows you to come up with your plan of four, five, six areas for each of the requirements, then really what you're doing is filling in the blanks in your second, third and fourth hour. The problem for students 
uh, over the last three sittings is that there isn't a plan. So everything's blank. And mm -hmm. the approach, I think, because they need, they've needed guidance is that really it's a sort of a scattergun approach. And the examiner has commented on that yeah. several times. And to I guess to continue on, because we did start talking about the writing, the solution, mm -hmm. Um, and you mentioned earlier about that it is important to do the requirements in order. Mm -hmm, absolutely. I mean, if you look back on uh, each of the exams so far, as I have, um, when I speak to students, what they're worried about is finding the information that relates to each of the requirements and different students say different things. Some students say that oh, all of the requirements have an element of each of the exhibits in it. They don't really. I mean, if you look carefully at the model solutions on the ACCA website, if you highlight, as I have done, literally word for word from the exhibits, what you'll see is that, broadly speaking, each requirement, whether it's 1A, 2B, 3A, whatever it is, comes from one or two exhibits. That's the first thing, and that's a key point. Not from four exhibits, as I hear students say, or five exhibits, or even six. It doesn't. The second point is this, and again, this is a key point. If you look left to right in the exam, so if you say that the requirement 1A starts on page 1 or page 2, as the exam flows left to right, i.e. from uh, question 1 to question 3 or 4, you'll find that the answers, broadly speaking, flow in the order of the exhibits. So you, in effect, you're, you will actually find yourself moving from Exhibit one to exhibit two to exhibit three, et cetera, et cetera, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so you know, the, the bottom line is this, Alan, is that the, the, the system or the process that we've outlined works. It's been tried on students. It also deals with many of the problems that the examiner has been banging on about mm -hmm. for three sittings. So, you know, it doesn't get better than that. Okay. I guess the last thing is you've done all this planning, you've done all the work, you've done all the reading, you have your plan laid out. And then people forget, I guess, about the examiner has to be able to read what you write mm -hmm. and has to be able to find mm. those. Uh, the, the answers that you've given have to be able to find those places easily to award you the mark. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th I think the, the first thing that I would say there is that. I think what we need to understand and what SBL students need to understand is that there is a person on the end of that script. So at the end of the four hours, that script, along with probably 40 or 50 others, is going to one person. That person would be put under fairly extreme time pressure to mark those scripts and to turn them around. Their work will be checked by an assessor. You know, the student needs to think about that particular fact from minute one when they start writing, and indeed from minute one of the exam. Think marker, present well, short paragraphs, you know, intro and conclusions use a ruler, neatness. I mean, would you like on a Saturday morning to be emailed through a PDF with 40 SBL scripts, which will average between 12 and 15 pages and have to get them back to the ACCA by Tuesday morning when you've just finished a week of work and you've got two children to look after that weekend? That's a big call. So anything that you can do to differentiate yourself from people that will not present well, who will be sloppy, who don't care about the marker, then certainly do it. And many of these points I've ex I explain within the uh, within the videos. It's all about think marker, think presentation, and think about the information that you're trying to communicate. Well, Paul, I think that's great. And it's great to go through those. And no I guess problem. for the students to hear a slightly different viewpoint than the, uh, that matches along with mm -hmm. your video. So I would really encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast or knows anybody to do who is doing SBL, um, 
please do get access to these videos that are up from Paul. Um, we really do think it'll make a big difference and, and I personally think it's one of the biggest um, resources for SPL especially um, that we have added in the last couple of months. So um, we're very excited and we love, as usual, uh, as students, when you do watch them, give us any feedback, any suggestions um, and, of course, um, best of luck in your exams. So we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Paul. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for the invite.